It is really about constantly seeking growth and seeking um, how you can be better at what you do. Hello, listeners. This is Garcia here from the Recreation Therapy Podcast. And today we'll be talking with our special guest, Nathan Lamister from Smart CEUs Hub. What can you tell us about yourself? Um, so I started as a recreational therapist in 2012, but kind of before that, what got me into being a recreational therapist and actually finding about the field was when I was 19 years old, I broke my back in an indoor soccer uh, game. I had my L2 fractured and um, I had had a scholarship to college for soccer and I had um, gotten all excited and then I lost it all. And um, losing the ability, uh, the abilities I once had to be active and to be a recreational or be involved in the things I was really loving to do, um, kind of changed my trajectory in what I chose to end up pursuing. Um, I started with business thinking that maybe I needed to go down the business route cause I really loved the idea of, and my dream was to open a surf shop on the beach. Um, and you know, it was in California. It was nice. It was beautiful. Um, and then when I, um, you know, moved to, or kept going through school, uh, realized that, um, I changed my major three times. So I changed my major to psychology and then EMT. So I was going to learn how to, you know, work on an ambulance. And my goal was then to be a firefighter paramedic. And then finally, after uh, running out of or running out of education, uh, classes that I could take in the, the general education um, my mom actually said, you know, this sounds like what you would be interested in. And, and I'm like, what? And she told me, she said, recreational therapy. I'm like, what, what's that? And so she, she read to me, she said, you know, you get to be active and you get to, um, you get to help people. And that sounds just like you. Well, I was like, well, that sounds cool. You know, like I get to help people. And so, um, started get, taking classes and found out that it was way more than I thought. Um, and that actually made me fall in love with it. Um, so during school, like I, I got to learn from my professors, um, not only about recreational therapy and what it takes to be a recreational therapist, but I actually learned about my own learning disability. Um, I had a, a reading comprehension issue all throughout school and you know, my first semester of college, a, a professor told me and it was in my English composition class and I wasn't doing too well. And she asked her after class if we can if I could get extra credit. And she said, you know, college isn't for everyone, Nathan. And that crushed me. But when I was uh, in the recreational therapy program, uh, my professor, uh, Jennifer Pyatt, um, she's amazing. I, I loved her so much. She's my favorite professor I've had. She taught me that I learn auditorily. And so I started using a you know, recording device in class and that helped me to understand the information as well as um, do well in the tests. And I ended up getting straight A's. So went from almost dropping out of college to doing really well. And then, you know, in 2012, I took the test uh, to become a CTRS. And then got my first job. I do have a question. How did your mom hear about RT? <laughs> so my mom was browsing through all the majors that were at Sac State. And she was like, 
because that's where I, w- I went to college. And she 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 just browsed through the names of different majors, and she said, you know, that one sounds like you. So that's actually how she found out about it. She didn't know what it was either. She just knew the name sounded something like I would be interested in. Okay, for a second, I thought maybe she had come in contact with an RT that maybe had influenced. No. Cool thing is, is my aunt, um, on the other hand, uh, she worked at a nursing home uh, for 20 plus years. And one of the staff members was an RT. And I actually, it's kind of funny is uh, growing up, I used to play Santa Claus for the the patients uh, that were at the (laughs) nursing home. And uh, I came to that in the activity director who is an, who is an RT, uh, CTRS. And she, uh, her name is Daniela. Uh, she uh, actually helped me, you know, like that, that's so, it's so funny how that worked. It's so sm- small, but big now that I'm a recreational therapist and she still is a recreational therapist. She sees me as like that little kid that came in and uh, sang for the patients and, you know, went around and gave gifts and stuff. So, <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So what populations have you worked with as an RT? So my internships, I had two internships. So first one was uh, for physical rehabilitation. Um, I did that in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, so I left home from you know California to go do my internship. It wasn't a paid internship. We did get a stipend like one time and I'd saved up and then ran out of money. Um, so I came back to California and then went to community TR for my second internship. And the cool thing about that, having experience in both of those in my internship was one was clinical and one was the community side of TR. Um, so I got to learn both like FEM scores and how to work with people who had traumatic brain injuries and strokes all the way to running a program in the community and budgeting and, you know, how to market So it was a really cool beginning experience. Um, But then when I finally got into the field and I got my first job as an RT, um, it was at a nursing home. And funny story, um, when they were looking for a CTRS for their staff, um, I was really excited. It was a director position. So I was like, I'm going to be managing people. And this is this is so cool. And started working as a rec therapist at that facility and I started doing what I learned in my internship. So uh, I was learning physical rehab. So I started doing physical rehab with the patients, uh, found out that the um, physical therapists and the occupational therapists, you know, on staff were kind of like shocked because that wasn't something that typically that per- position did. So I actually had to learn um, that RT is so vast. So that, that was kind of the beginning of the journey is um, I learned that in that in that setting, in that role, uh, my job was going to be different than what I had been taught in school or with, you know, what is my internship taught me. And so working in the nursing home environment in California, I got really close with my administrator and uh, eventually he left the facility after we got the um the ratings, the star ratings up higher. And he got asked to go to another nursing home to do the same thing. And he asked me to come with him. So I got to go over to that program and I became more like a administrator in training. And I learned, you know, more about what it actually, the business behind um, working in nursing homes. Uh, so it kind of helped me 
to view my role as an activity director very different than I think a lot of people, but really cool first experience. But the majority of my career um, as a recreational therapist was actually in behavioral health. So uh, when I moved to Texas, I got my first job in behavioral health. There aren't, aren't a ton of people that know what a recreational therapist is out here. Um, I'm in Tyler, Texas, so a lot of people don't know where that's at. It's in the middle of Dallas in Louisiana. It's like if you took a line from Dallas to Louisiana, it's right smack dab in the center. Um, and my first RT job out here, I had to try drive an hour away just um, to find work. So uh, working in that environment, I realized that that was my passion, you know, working with people who have different uh, various hardships and uh co-addictions and um, psychosis and all types of stuff. So I did that for about six years total. Um, and when I uh, started working in Tyler, Texas, as a rec therapist, I uh, got in charge of a forensic psych program. Uh, so I taught court competency as a rec therapist. Who would have thought? But really cool thing. So a, kind of a follow-up to an earlier thing that came up. You mentioned that you had worked both community and what was and you said um clinical clinical right so what do you think are the main differences because a lot of people usually go one path and almost if that's the case that ends up being the only path they take yeah it was cool to see that right off the bat i feel like that kind of gave me a bigger perspective of what tr has and what the and that kind of opened up Pandora's box, so to speak, of, you know, what sorts of issues that we have as an identity, as a profession, you know, in one way, you know, like there's a, a whole part of RT that is solely focused on, you know, getting, you know, reimbursed through Medicare and, you know, getting our, our name out there to be part of the, the three hour rule for like PTs and OTs and speech and orthopedics and prosthetics. And that is amazing because, you know, like in that route, you know, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of security, job security, there's a lot of growth. Um, but then, you know, like in our history as RT, we had that big split that happened in the 80s um, where, you know, ATRA broke away from NTRS. And so there are still rec therapists that are practicing today that when they went to school and what they learned and what they, you know, fell in love with was the community side of RT. And, you know, there are, there are a bunch of RTs that just like, they are head over heels working with usually developmentally disabled adults and they, you know, do, they give them basically a life to live. So um, the one place I worked at was Therapeutic Recreation Sacramento and uh, we would do outings, we would do uh, trips, we would do, I did a case study with one patient who ended up being a really good friend uh, a little later um, and they call them clients. I keep saying patients, but they call them clients. Um, but the the whole community side of RT is amazing. So I see I see that we are we are divided, but we can we can bridge that gap. I believe that's correct. I I do believe a lot of the same things that you're uh, talking about. I've only been on the clinical side, but I know people that have also been on the community side, or I've heard stories about people who are on the community and. I always come up to the same conclusion where the process is the same. It's what you're doing that maybe changes a little bit. Yeah. Like you still do an assessment when somebody comes in. Um, 
like I did that with a case study that I worked on. Um, you still are trying to figure out how that person, what their barriers are uh, to be able to um, participate in leisure and recreation. Um, in the clinical setting, we were doing that through uh, specific interventions like with rehabilitation. And the community setting, we're doing that where now they're rehabilitated or they're at their baseline. And now it's, you know, how can they live life to the fullest? And we as recreational therapists have those skills to make that happen. So I think it's more of a continuum rather than a completely separate thing, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. I do agree with that. Are you still actually an RT or are you up on the administrative side? Well, I'm not a practitioner, if that's what you're asking, yes. but I do have my CTRS and I am now, you know, I'm a businessman, have three businesses, um, two RT businesses and then one non-RT business. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you have the smart CEUs, you have rec therapy jobs, uh, you wrote a book Yeah. and you said there's one non-RT? Yeah. So, and this is kind of a sidestep from where I was working in the uh, psychiatric hospital. Um, so working in, in psych, um, the nurses that I worked with, uh, they gave out a lot of medications and, um, those medications sometimes came in, um, I don't know if you've heard of blister packs where it's like a sheet of medication. Oh yeah. Versus, yeah. yeah. And you would have thought that there would have been something that was created, something invented. I was out there that could open these pill packages. And, um, since they open so many a day, um, nurses don't want to bring knives onto the, the psych unit. They would use their medical shears, which is super unsanitary. If you ask me, cause like they're cutting people's bandages, they're doing all types of stuff. And then not to mention when you open those packages with those, the pill can fall on the ground or it can, you know, damage or get cross contaminate or whatever else they're going to do with it. But um, this a device that I invented and have a patent on, um, it's called the Smart Punch. is the official name, but it's a pill puncher, really. It's like the same idea as a hole punch where um, it drops those pills into an open reservoir and then you can pour it out into little cups. So it makes the job really easy for nurses as well as um, ergonomic so that their thumbs and their hands don't hurt. Because they were telling me that opening those all the time gives them arthritis. And so – it was while I was working as an RT that that in, that invention was created. It was a need that I saw, and I had the time to do it. So I was like, you know what? Let's make this happen. Well, that's a really neat idea. So since we are about RT, though, so I'm going to take a step yeah. back, and uh, we're going to go ahead and go back the RT route. Okay. So Smart CEUs, what inspired you? All right. So Smart CEUs Hub is um, it's an online affordable NCTRC pre-approved CEU resource. So um, with that being said, um, it is a online place for RTs to not only get their continuing education, but there's a way for people to um, give back and teach kind of like a megaphone to the whole RT audience across the United States and Canada. Um, but what that actually started with um, was about five years ago. Uh, my really good friend, Larry Lancaster, and I, uh, we were looking you know, to kind of brainstorm things that we could do. And I had, you know, needed my continuing education for my CTRS. So I looked online because nobody in Tyler, Texas provides anything like that. And closest place was Dallas. And so uh, I saw that there was really only one online provider. 
And um, so I took courses and I, you know, was not honestly just not that impressed. And um, so I thought, you know, we need to do something a little bit better for our industry. And so um, Smart CU Sub, we started working on that. And that started with um, surveying people on LinkedIn and doing beta testing and creating the basic coursework, kind of coming up with the um, ideal solution to what people were saying they needed and what they wanted. And once we we got those, t- we got 10 courses to start with, uh, we started reaching out to NCTRC to get them approved and um, learning all the steps along the way of, you know, how to run a website, how to market, how to brand, how to, all types of stuff. And it's it's been an amazing journey so far. But yeah, um, we opened our doors a year later after all of that studying and that background work. And we served 2,500 recreational therapists across the country. So it has grown rapidly. I could relate in the aspect of creating a website. I mean, that's one of the things that we have as well. And that's where we put our podcast. But it definitely has a learning curve to it. Yeah, I mean, I bet you probably, you know, had a time where you're, do you use WordPress? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I relate to you, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what have been some of your struggles in running the website? So at the beginning, when nobody knows who you are, and I mean, the struggles at the beginning are very different than they are now. Um, When we started it, the initial problems were like learning tech skills, like how to work on WordPress, how to run a learning management system, you know, uh, figuring out how to build a reputation in the industry. So people actually knew who you were and they would go to your site and try your courses and trust that they were NCTRC approved or all, all of that. Like, and that was a hard task. Let me tell you, especially like at the very beginning when, um, there's an established competitor in the market and that competitor, uh, does not want you to be part of the market. So let's just say that. Um, but once you get past that point and started growing and started building traction, I think some of our biggest, um, things that kind of built growth, uh, over time were, um, our unlimited CEUs memberships and the fact that we start opening it up to smart instructors so that they can earn a residual monthly income. And like we started, uh, you know, going to conferences and marketing and um, making partnerships with different organizations, including y'all. You know, we have you on our website and we're so glad that you are a smart partner. But now the the biggest issues that we face are our rapid growth. So we have 12 people on the smart team now. Wow, that's really good. It's always good to hear those or an organization grows. Yeah, and you wouldn't, I never imagined it. Like four years ago when I started it, honestly, um, I didn't even know if it would work. Uh, um, (laughs) I was really nervous that, you know, I would have been, you know, like I would hurt my personal reputation in the industry or, you know, something would happen, you know, like, and you never know what's going to happen. You can't tell the future. But, um, I think I think it's the fact that more people are involved and they all really wanted this, that it, it's kind of the the reason for its success. So um, it's not just a one man show. It's it's a whole team of people. Yeah. And part of it is risk taking, being able to take that risk and seeing kind of what happens afterwards. Yeah. Got to do some trial and error sometimes. Um, that's that's the the. 
the love hate relationship of being an entrepreneur is like you got to be able to tolerate risk, but you also shouldn't just take risks just to take risks. You should calculate your risks and kind of figure out, okay, if the worst case scenario happens, what is my backup plan? What do I do um, to sidestep these types of issues? So it's a lot of strategy thinking and, um, yeah, there, there's a reason why I have three businesses, you know, so just in case, you know, something happens to one, I will still be able to live. I'll still be able to put food on the table. Um, you know, I'll be able to, um, you know, provide for my family and yeah, that's kind of what we all do, right? We all want to provide for our families. You mentioned that you also have the other two. So yeah. we've talked about the, the first one, which is the, the pill. Smart punch. The smart punch. There we go. And we talked about smarts you use. Let's talk about rec therapy jobs. What inspired you for that? So rec therapy jobs is a newer website, actually. Um, You may or may not have heard of it, but hopefully you will hear about it soon. It is a job slash internship board for recreational therapists and interns, you know, students that are going into the field. But um, one of the issues I had while I was in school was finding internships outside of my state and there wasn't really a centralized location for internships. So uh, rec therapy jobs kind of help bridge that gap so that if you have an internship or if you are looking for an internship, you can easily apply. You can post your resume on the site. It allows you as a recreational therapist um, to put your CTRS note number on there so that it can be verified. And one of the bigger issues uh, for employers is One reason why an employer wouldn't hire a CTRS is that they couldn't find them. Um, There wasn't a place for um, like a list of CTRSs that they could have access to that they um, could like headhunters or um, job recruiters could find recreational therapists that are CTRSs. So they would put CTRS preferred on their job uh, postings instead of required. But now there's a way to um, figure out that this person is a CTRS. And then the other thing is, is it's more, it's higher tech than just like a job posting that you just see. Like, I mean, there are a few other job boards in our industry, but if you went to ours, you would see like you can, you can submit your cover letter and your uh, um, resume directly from the posting. Yeah. And um, in the back end, so there's this whole area that, you know, people post their own resumes. It doesn't cost the internship or the job site person any money to post a job. It doesn't cost any money for the job searcher or the internship searcher anything. So it's completely free. But the way that the site is viable and keeps making money is that it'll have advertisements on the side. Um, which is another um, cool little business thing is um, I'm going to be advertising RT businesses. Um, on the background, like a job hunter, they pay actually for qualified leads. And so these leads that are um, people are posting their resumes and um, they're being sought after. So you're creating demand in the market um, and you're creating a supply as well. So um, that actually is the way that the site leverages and, and makes money so it can keep going and and grow and hopefully one day it'll be the centralized location for rts in canada and in the u.s as you know the place to look for a job or internship have you had any struggles with the web with that website um yeah so actually smart CU's hub is only a half owner on that website there's a guy named joshua jarvis who is our 
Um, he's a tech guy. He does SEO. He does um, website building. He does all types of stuff. And he's also a really close friend of mine. Lives out here in Tyler, Texas, and we've known him for the six years that we've been out here. Um, and like he was like, you know what? I'm gonna create this, and it didn't cost a single thing for it to be made. So like he's he's really good at it. He does it every day, and um, the way that you know I'm Smart Cities Hub isn't gonna get any cash from this. Um, we're we're we didn't help with this, and we didn't present this to the market um, for our gain. We actually, uh, Josh will actually get the the income generated from the site, but he needed somebody in the recreational therapy industry that had some um, influence. So um, what we did is we also used that as a negotiation so that if there are any other RT business owners that are out there that need any tech work, he actually will do it for you for a discount. Like I told him about one of the issues we have in our industry is, you know, we're not tech people, you know, and we need to market ourselves and the best place to market ourselves now is online. People look online when they want to find anything nowadays. So um, the best reputation that we can, you know, put forth on our websites, you know, showing up in Google searches, uh, you know, making sure that our sites function well and that there's, um, you know, new RT businesses that are started and being taken notice will help, you know, the whole country of RTs you know, get that, that information out there about what we do, um, who we are, and answer that question that everybody asks. What is a recreational therapist? Well, that's one of the, the cool things is this um, tool of business. Um, I don't know if I, I think I told you about the Facebook uh, group called the TR Entrepreneur Connection. Yes, I believe I'm a part of it as well. Hey, yes. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, you can post things in that group where you can connect with other RT business owners or make partnerships and um, you can ask questions or things you don't know. And so that's a really cool group. So if you are listening, um, join the TR Entrepreneur Connection on Facebook. Um, and then if you need some further information, you did mention the book. Um, there's the Entrepreneur Rec Therapist, the business education you missed in school, and that's available on both Amazon and the Smart CU's Hub website. And really, that wasn't just created by me. I'm the author, the main author, but there were about a dozen rec therapists that contributed to making it. And there are uh, business owners in all types of RT. There's independent contractors that started their own independent contracting there's uh, equine therapy. There's a lady on there named Jean Hastings who started this really cool um, kind of a, it's a match a client with a rec therapist uh, service. So you can find clients if you're wanting to start your own independent contracting practice. And then, you know, there's Strive Recreational Therapy, Stella Hush. She um, she started that about 17 years ago um, and she's just really well with that out in Michigan uh, got to learn how they bill, and they actually do a really creative uh, billing process because that's one of the questions we always ask as RTs is like, how are we going to make money? And the way that she does it and her organization has been doing it for years is through no-fault auto insurance. Now, that that's different, right? So in Michigan, they're doing some really cool things. They have a workers' compensation that they can bill. They have that. Um, they, uh, we in Texas, we have this thing called the yes waiver and that allows you to, uh, bill Medicaid because Medicaid is actually, 
um, federal money that's given to states, then the states then create programs. And one of them is the S waiver, which is uh, working with kids who have uh, different developmental disabilities and um, recreational therapy is actually a billable service for that. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I'll stop talking your ear off about all that, but I really love RT business. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, this, this show is all about you. So the more you talk, the more everybody gets to learn from you. In Texas, are you guys just uh, certified out there or are you licensed? Um, we're certified. So Texas is a weird beast. Um, not a lot of people outside of Texas know this, but um, there is another group in Texas that um, decided years back to open up and they're kind of a competitor to NCTRC. And they are another certifying body. So it's a state certification. Um, they're called C-Track. And um, they started a while back. And they're, uh, I guess the idea from what I've heard um, was that the tests for NCTRC, they didn't like it. And they didn't feel like it would help the field grow by being exclusive as much. So they created their own test. And that actually they combined with activity director certified people as well as recreational therapists. So um, Texas kind of has a has two options. You can either go through C-Track or you can go through NCTRC. And um, obviously NCTRC is who I endorse. Um, and, you know, I think that they do a really good job. Um, but, yeah, we're not licensed yet. On that route, if you are thinking – in your state to get licensed, which is a big hot topic in our industry. Something you need to be aware of is that you'll need at least 500 people um, in your state to be on board um, because licensing boards need to be self-sufficient. So the funds that come in when you pay your licensing fees have to be able to fund the board. So um, New Jersey was a really good example of this. They had gotten through the House, the the Senate. Um, they had uh, gotten all the way to the governor's desk, in fact, uh, to get to where they were going to be licensed. And it was like the last hour before the bill was going to be, you know, discarded. And the governor said that um, they couldn't uh, become a licensed state because they didn't have enough recreational therapists. Um, oh, no, that's a horrible thing to happen. Yeah, and they had done all that work, and they were so motivated, it really – took the wind out of their sails. So, but, um, if you are a state like California, New York, uh, places where there's a lot of recreational therapists, um, you gotta kind of band together. We, we're stronger together as a profession. And, um, a lot of the silly, you know, like community versus clinical stuff isn't healthy when we're, we're trying to build that bridge. But um, I think that we are on that path. And um, speaking of California, where you're from, um, I actually talked to a lady who is going to be heading up trying to put a licensing board together for California. And she's going to be uh, creating a course for our website um, about how to start a licensing board in your state, um, wherever state you're at. And so um, it's going to be a free course. We're going to offer it for free. Um, and it'll be a, hopefully a way to kind of um, fix that that error in our industry right now. Yeah, hopefully we can move past uh, that. I know one of the things in California that has recently changed was new governors, so maybe that Ooh. can also bring up the, uh, at least maybe a different momentum swing. 
What is it that keeps you motivated? Ah, what keeps me motivated? Um, so when I wake up in the morning and um, now because I'm solely mostly a business owner rather than a practitioner, my motivation kind of changed. I do miss the fact that I don't get to, um, you know, help patients as much, um, you know, especially in the behavioral health area. Like I said, that was my passion. And, you know, I might actually just go back to work at the hospital out here uh, just because uh, I miss the patients. Um, but my uh, the thing that gets me up in the morning, the thing that keeps me going as a recreational therapist is is seeing that we have so many opportunities that are still yet to be explored um, because we're small. We're not we're not as big as OT. We're not as big as PT. And we do have issues that we bring up at conferences quite often. And I hear that quite often because I go to a lot of conferences. But the thing that uh, is cool about that is every problem, if you look at it from a different point of view, you look at it from um, a stance of, you know, this is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to solve this problem and to help be the solution to the problem. Not just talk about it, but actually take those steps to make it better. You know, something that wake that gets me motivated because you know, now doing what I've I've been doing, I've been, uh, you know, in contact with a lot of cool people around the industry, um, different business owners, ATRA people, NCTRC people, uh, meeting people that are really cool in Canada um, at CITRA, so Canadian Therapeutic Recreation Association. They, uh, just learning about their politics and um, how, like, their providences work and how, like, there's different um, providence organizations that are our recreational therapists like TRO, which is Therapeutic Recreation Ontario. That's actually the biggest membership organization in Canada for recreational therapists, even bigger than CITRA is at the moment, which is crazy just to know that a state or a providence in their case is that large. But seeing these these things from like a larger picture, I guess, from seeing it from this is what's happening all around, um, you kind of get in a position that you're like, okay, if we worked on this, then maybe this will help this particular area. And if we got these people involved, you know, how will we be able to solve this issue? And for me, that is like a giant jigsaw puzzle. And I love doing puzzles. So figuring out how to make this happen excites me. It really does. I'm involved on the ATRA task force now with um, uh, the job force. Um, and getting uh, that stuff to the Labor Bureau of Labor Statistics for us, I would never have had that opportunity unless I decided to take that risk for Smart CU's Hub. So it's just crazy how this journey has been. And all the doors it opens up as well. Yeah. I bet you you as well, like um, starting your blog and podcast, you get to meet a lot of cool people. Yeah, that that is one thing that I have uh... – really enjoy doing is meeting new people people i wouldn't have met finding the connections uh like with you we have a common friend that i didn't know that connection was there yeah shout out to Kristen osborne (laughs) (laughs) she's awesome (laughs) so actually earlier i forgot to ask what are your favorite interventions uh ha so it really depends on the population so if i was going to go back to um, interventions wise, if I worked, like when I started doing my internship in physical rehab, I'll start with that. You know, a lot of the patients we saw 
Um, they had traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, strokes. And so um, what was the deficit or what was the area that we needed to help with as a recreational therapist was both physical, it was cognitive, and it's slightly emotion, emotional because of you know the trauma they faced. But in that environment, uh, we would use like tools like the game of chess uh, to work on range of motion, uh, fine motor skills, being able to grab those pieces, um, understanding how the movements work. So like, you know, like a horse moves in an L shape. And when you had a stroke and that part of your brain is affected, that actually um, helps through um, building new neural neurological pathways. The term for that is brain plasticity. And what that means is that you are building new connections in your brain. You're, you're growing your brain after it was damaged. And that concept has stayed with me all the way through my career. Um, you know, when I started working in behavioral health, um, our main issues were slightly different. Um, we worked with like coping skills, understanding our illnesses, um, you know, social interaction, setting goals for the future. And then I had that court competency, you know, part of the job as well for the forensic patients. But like for that group, my favorite intervention was this thing. It was kind of like whose line is it anyway? It was improv comedy. Uh Um, And we were using that to demonstrate, you know, in front of a group because like in whose line is it anyway, you'll have a group, they'll suggest something and you'll have to act it out right on the spot. So there's no preparation um, you're not act. I mean, you, you are just being you. And one of the things that we would talk about was effective communication. And a lot of people, um, were not aware that how they actually communicated, how people received the communication that they, uh, typically went to. So for instance, a lot of times assertive was mixed up with aggressive. And, um, when somebody's aggressive, they're very me centered. They're like, I need this. I need this. I need this. Um, when they're passive, they're very you centered, right? They want you like, like their needs take backseat to yours. Like if you were going to a movie and you, you really wanted to see this one movie, but the rest of the group wanted to see another movie, you're, you're not going to stand up for yourself. You're not going to, you know, say anything. You're just going to go along with it. And you might even develop resentment or, you know, you, you might feel that you're not appreciated or, you know, in your group setting. Um, but assertive communication was the communication. Obviously we're trying to get people to understand what that is and using the intervention of, of improv comedy, we got to kind of show like, okay, you're in a grocery store. Somebody is in front of you in the line and, and you're about to check out. And how do you handle a person who is going really slow? Or how do you handle a person that um, disrespects you? Like how you perceive disrespect. Or in in the psychiatric environment, a lot of people think that everyone is the enemy. Um, their, their friends, their family, maybe it was how they were brought up. Um, they're really like guarded. And, you know, when they're in a situation when, you know, they're forced to open be uh, vulnerable it's really uncomfortable so a lot of them either go really aggressive they kind of like overstep and dominate or they kind of retreat get quiet run freeze you know because of fear but yeah using that intervention in that environment uh was really fun because it's 
comedy and then but also it was very useful and they remembered it so like in their other therapy groups i feel like rt we stand out because we're teaching them things that they will hopefully remember and that's through activity doing something physical you retain that better than if i just sat you in a group in a circle and you know talked about assertive aggressive and passive so now i have something context to remember but yeah that was that was my favorite one in that environment I couldn't agree with you anymore. I know that learning some concept is best learned when you have multiple points of reference, so not just the knowledge, but the application and being able to do it yourself. Yes. Yes. So my last question for you is what tips and tricks do you have for students or new RTs entering the field? Ooh. Okay. So I have kind of like a little soapbox moment for all of you new RTs and students. Um, so the best advice I have for students entering the field is to never stop learning. The more you can learn and grow in your strengths, you will add to your success as a recreational therapist. When you start your first RT job, you'll most likely will need to advocate for what you do. Um, the example you set in your workplace will help paint the picture of the industry as a whole as most people are not yet aware of what value we provide. So keep that in mind, that what you, what you present, your work ethic, your, your, your knowledge base, when you're in the treatment team with all the other uh, therapists and doctors and staff, um, your example is really important. Um, and just make sure that you don't, you don't stay on that path if you ever make a mistake. And eventually, you know, hopefully you turn those mistakes into positive learning outcomes so that when you um, go forward in your career, you'll be that much more awesome. You got this. That's some really well thought out words. That, that is truly what I believe. It is really about constantly seeking growth and seeking um, how you can be better at what you do. Because what you have, you're only you're going to be offering to these clients and patients and you know, that's what we're here for. We're here for them. There you go, listeners. You heard it here first from Mr. Lamister himself. So if you're interested in checking out some of CEUs, which I have used, and they've been pretty good, nothing short of excellent, go ahead and head on over to www.smartceushub.com. Thank you, everyone, for stopping by. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook page. We're also on iTunes and Google Play as well. So Feel free to share if you like this episode and enjoy some of those new CEUs that are coming your way.